I believe the Lord wants to give some people a breakthrough this morning. Amen. You know, there's some things you can fight your whole life, but just one, one service, just one moment in the presence of God, and you can have your freedom, your breakthrough for the rest of your life. John chapter 3 and verse 1 is where we begin our reading. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. How many of you know God's still giving people an undeniable experience? Some of you may be here today, you've got friends that said, I know it had to be God because I used to run with you and I know the Lord. It was something real that changed your life. I'm so glad that God gives us that undeniable experience. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this is how the Lord operates. He comes in and brags on the Lord. The Lord doesn't dwell in that. He basically tells him, you still got more to do. So many times we think we graduate spiritually and the Lord lets us know there's still another level. There's still more that I have for you. There's more I have for your marriage, for your family, for your children. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, or Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I want to speak this morning on this subject, the second birth. Everybody that's been born at least one time, raise your hand. Amen. You wouldn't be here today if you weren't born at least once. George and Joy and Hedges, we love you guys. So glad to have you guys back. Everybody here has been born at least once. But the Lord says we got to be born again. we got to have that second birth if we want to get into the kingdom of heaven. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and shake your neighbor's hand and say, have you received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? If they say no, say, get ready. Get ready. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Being born again is a statement that simply means to allow the Spirit to give birth in your life. Understand that the Scripture is accurate. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. A spiritual birth is necessary to be saved, to enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was having a hard time understanding this second birth. Jesus said unto him, you have to be born again. He asked Jesus incredulously, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born that reminds me of a time when my twin sons were very young and I went into their room to pray with them at night before they went to bed and to also admonish them to help their mother and to be respectful to their mother she'd had a hard day I told them your mother carried you in her stomach for eight months and they looked at me with wide open eyes and wondered if they had a nightlight in there and I said no it's dark 
It's all dark. And they wanted to know what they were doing in there. And I told them they were just swimming around. <laughs> then they wanted to know if they had their swim trunks on. I said, nope, you were just <laughs> naked, just swimming around in darkness, naked, inside mama's belly. They were like, no way! I said, yep. They were horrified with this news. And I said, now, you guys go right to sleep when you wake up. I'm going to show you pictures when mama's stomach was really big with both of y'all inside. And I turned the lights off and I heard them whispering going, that's amazing. We were in mama's belly. I kind of smiled, turned the lights off, shut the door and went in bedroom. My wife was already asleep, so I didn't tell her about this conversation I'd had with the boys. The next morning, they come run and jump on the bed, and they both, one get on either side of my wife, and they both just stare at her like this. <laughs> and you know, after a while, you'll wake up if you think somebody's just staring at you, you know, and she kind of opens her eyes and looks around, and she's like, what? And Luke says, mom, why did you eat my brother and I? <laughs> Makes sense. If they were in her belly, she ate them. <laughs> this birth concept was a mystery to them. Well, the second birth was a, was a mystery to Nicodemus. Jesus was trying to explain it to him, but he was trying to understand it by looking at it through a natural birth lens. Well, I think there is something to what Nicodemus was struggling with. There's no doubt that we have all been born the first time. So I think we should use that as a template to dissect this second birth in the few moments that we have, and then we'll give everybody an opportunity to be born again the second time. Jesus gave us a big clue when he said, what is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, the origin is what dictates the essence and the outcome. Two elephants are not going to produce a zebra. It's the conception that determines the construction and the completion. Just as flesh is birthed through a three-step process of conception, incubation, and delivery, so is the spirit. God uses the natural to illustrate the supernatural. This three-step process is found in Luke chapter 1, and the conception is revealed in Luke chapter 1. It says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 31, and behold, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb, the angel speaking now specifically to Mary, and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. Before Jesus was ever born, the Old Testament prophets were declaring his name. Isaiah said, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. That's how you can know the name of Jesus is the Everlasting Father. He's the Father, He's the Son, He's the Holy Ghost, but His name is Jesus. So the name Jesus was given to Mary before she ever knew she was pregnant. Before Elizabeth was even pregnant with John the Baptist, the angel Gabriel was declaring His name to Zacharias. So the first thing that has to happen is the declaration of the name. And because we want there to be a second birth here this morning, would you give me five minutes to declare the power in the name of Jesus? In Luke chapter 1, verse 13, he told the Abel, uh, Gabriel the angel told Zacharias, the father of John, and thou shalt call his name John. Now, Zacharias didn't know if he wanted to call him John. 
He said, ah, I don't, you know, we don't have people in the family. We're not sure about the name John. We're going we're to think about it. We're going to look at some name books, and we'll come up with some other name and all that. And Gabriel's like, this is non-negotiable. He says in verse 19, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. If an angel visits your house and says, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, I would suggest you listening to that angel. He's going to argue with an angel. Nah, I don't know if we want to call him John. We'll think about it. Thanks for the, you know, recommendation. And he said, I am sent to speak unto you and to show thee these glad tidings. And he goes on to tell him, because you didn't accept what I gave you, you're not going to speak at all. So for nine months, Zacharias doesn't even have anything to say because he can't talk. Why is that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, there is no other option. The Bible says there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's all in the name of Jesus. Salvation is based on the declaration of the name. We were down there in Haiti, and I was looking around at all the, 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 the chaos that those people have to live in in the capital city of Port-au-Prince, some four million people, and it's just a crush of humanity, and just the conditions are just we, we wouldn't even we wouldn't even allow our pets to stay in some of the condition that those people have to live in because the need is so great. You look at all of it, and you think, what are we going to do? The, the temptation is overwhelming. That you it was too much to do. We, there's, there's no way we can help, but we got to do something. But I came away with this revelation as I do when I'm in these different uh, countries. I, I come away with this revelation, the greatest thing that you can do, we're going to help them feed, we're going to put a medical clinic, we're going to help them with all these different things. But the greatest thing is to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that sets our mind free and illuminates our heart and our thinking and our concepts. It's the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Romans said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be called, shall be saved. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. It's the preaching of the gospel that's based on the declaration of the name. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you how you have power and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost when the preached word of God goes forth. It's when you declare the name of Jesus. People say, when I come to that First Pentecostal church, I feel the power and the presence of God. We hear that all the time when we talk to our first and second, third time guests. You know why? Because it's a declaration of the name of Jesus. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus in all that we do. We're having a fall fest tonight, but we're still going to lift up the name of Jesus. When you go home, you ought to lift up the name of Jesus. When you're riding in your car, you ought to lift up the name of Jesus. When you're in your workplace... You ought to lift up the name of Jesus when other people are running down the name of Jesus, swearing and cursing in the name of Jesus. You ought to use your mouth, your energy, and your breath to praise the name of Jesus. Power, anointing, Holy Ghost. That second birth, this is why the disciples did everything in the name of Jesus, why they baptized in the name of Jesus, prayed for the sick in the name of Jesus, cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Everything was done, preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. And when they were upset with them proclaiming this gospel, they called them, the Bible says in Acts 40, Acts chapter 5 and verse 40, they called the apostles and they beat them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy. Can you imagine getting a beating and coming out of a beating, rejoicing? Can you imagine giving your children a spanking 
I know it's politically incorrect to even say that, but I'm going to stick with the Bible. The Bible says, spare the rod and spoil the child. So in case y'all want to arrest me, all three of my children got spankings and whippings, and I'm proud of all three of them. But I never had any of them. After getting a spanking, say, Dad, I just want to rejoice with you that I'm worthy as your son to get a whipping. I mean, I would think something was wrong with them. I've never understood when I was a kid, my dad gave me whippings. I needed all of them, probably more. But I never could understand the whole concept of that. They give you a whipping and then you cry and then you say, don't cry. When you cry, I'm going to really give you something to cry about and get a whipping. That's the whole point. The whipping is to cry and be remorseful. I'm crying. They, count, they counted themselves worthy. They rejoiced. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to do what? Teach and preach Jesus Christ. They said, whether it be right in the sight of you and their eyes, your counsel and all that, to figure it out. You guys figure all that. Here's what we know. We cannot but do those things which we have seen and heard. We know that it's all in Jesus Christ. We're going to declare his name. We're going to declare his name. We're going to declare his name. We're going to preach his name. We're going to teach his name. I've come to tell you that the solution for America in the 21st century is easy. Declare the greatness of the name of Jesus. I feel like saying this too, and this is not in my notes. And I know there's Christian coalition guides that are out there to help you vote and all that. But I want to say this to this church. When you come to this church, this is a political free zone. We're not going to come up in here and praise Hillary or Trump or any of their surrogates. We have one mission as a church, and that is to lift up the name of Jesus. And I wish you'd get as passionate about God as you are about your political candidate. There's only Jesus that's going to save this world. You're not going to be saved by Democrats or Republicans or Independents. There's only one God. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism. That's what we're going to do here. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus. Because we've got to be born again. second thing that has to happen is the response of the soul. That's the incubation. Luke 1, 39 through 44, and Mary rose in those days, went to the hill country with haste. She'd gotten this prophecy from the angel. She went to see her cousin Elizabeth, city of Judah, entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Came to pass, saluted it. That's not this, that's greeting. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, just heard the voice of Mary, the babe, John the Baptist that she was pregnant with, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and that's a revelation right there Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost because what she was carrying leaped for joy you don't realize it but God's got a calling upon your life you don't realize it but there's a prophetic word upon your life and a promise and a destiny and when you let that promise rejoice the Holy Ghost comes it'll come if you begin to say God I'm tired of complaining I'm tired of being miserable I'm gonna rejoice today is the day that the Lord hath made I will rejoice and be glad 
I make up my mind today, I'm going to be glad. Holy Ghost is drawn to that. That atmosphere God is drawn to in just a moment when we give you a chance to come to this altar. I'm going to tell you what, you got to come saying, Lord, here I am, and begin to worship Him with joy because the soul responds. This is the incubation of the second birth. The soul responds to the declaration of the name. You don't realize it, but it does. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this in me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Ladies and gentlemen, every single person that's in this building today, not only are you alive because of a natural birth, but every one of you have a soul. The eternal essence of every one of us. There is a soul. And when the word of God goes forth and there is a declaration based on the identity of God, the soul responds. The seed that has been planted in the heart, when the word finds good ground, there is a response. Something begins to take root. Something begins to live. There is a reaction in the soul, and worship ignites this. It is the fusion of joy and spirit that creates an internal combustion in the spirit world that allows the soul to say, you know what? This is what I've been looking for. It sort of stands up on its tippy toes. It wants to rejoice. It is connecting with an eternal spirit from its heaven. Father, when my twin boys, sorry, I'm using you guys so much for an example, but when they were first born, they were a month early, you know, because they were big and my wife just ran out of room. So they were born a, a, a month early. So they had to keep them, you know, in neonatal care and all that. And they had all these wires and everything all hooked up to them. They're little bitty guys. And so they were in there on the beds and they, they let us come in and see them, but we had to put on hats and gloves and robes and and all this stuff, and wash your hands real good. And all. So we'd finally go in there, and the machine's going, doop, doop, doop. And they got all these little sensors on their toes and hands and fingers and, and all stuff on their head and, and the little baby. And I would go up to them, and I'd say, hey, this is your daddy. And I'd squeeze their toe, you know. And the machine would start going, doop, 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 They'd come in there, and they'd fix everything, and Okay, yeah, okay, everything's fine. Everything's fine, everything's good. They go back out. Then I go up there to the other one. Hey, this is your dad. How you doing, big boy? Finally, they come in there and say, Mr. Myers, we're going to ask, ask you to leave because you're disrupting the machines. I told them they hear in the voice of their father. And they're responding. They're little babies. They're not even conscious or whatever. And maybe you don't understand, but inside there's an understanding. When the word of God goes forth, there's something inside of us that hears the voice of our heavenly father because John said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So when the word goes forth, my soul goes, there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the second birth. I mean, you can't hardly keep it. It's, people say, I don't understand why Pentecostals get together. People jump up and shout. and People run the aisles. And people come down and lift up their hands and start speaking in tongues. What's all that about? That's the soul responding. God is good. We 
we live in this natural world. We're dealing with all kinds of problems outside those doors. But when we come into the house of God, I'm not going to waste this opportunity and sit on, sit on some sort of, you know, comatose state. I feel sorry for all the people in churches all over America today. They're all sitting in libraries. Look like cemetery plots with faces. Looking at their watch, can't wait till the preacher's done. Some of y'all couldn't rejoice over that because you've already done it while I've been preaching. <laughs> I think if you go to church, it ought to be fun. It ought to be enjoyable. We're not some, some, of, some sort of Kiwanis club. We're not the Shriners that are meeting. We're not some sort of a social group. We're here because the common denominator is that Jesus Christ saved us and delivered us from our sins. And none of us are worthy, but we're all thankful. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because it's joy, unspeakable joy. Oh, come on, you ought to clap your hands and lift your voice and release your soul to worship. Come on, let your soul loose. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Give me two more minutes. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things and is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel. And in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Good God Almighty, that's what we're doing today. Make mention that his name. I want to make mention that the name of Jesus is high and lifted up. And rejoice, for he is good. David said, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Let me tell you how you get born again. You ask God to forgive you of your sins. Yes, you've already done that. But here's what you got to do you got to now receive the Holy Spirit in you. And this is the third stage. The third stage, this is the delivery stage. <laughs> We've had the conception, that's the declaration of the name. The incubation, which is the response of the soul, and the delivery is the liberation of the tongue. Good God Almighty, I feel the Holy Ghost. The liberation of the tongue, because when... Elizabeth finally got to the point that she was to deliver this baby, John the Baptist. They said, what's going to be his name? She said, John. And some of the neighbors all got together and said, John, we don't know John. They started that whole deal. Zachariah's still sitting over there in the corner just eyeballing them. He still can't talk. They said, Zacharias, you know, she's going to call him John. What do you think? He calls for a tablet. He's got to get an etch sketch because he still can't talk. 
He writes on a tablet. <laughs> oh. My little seven-year-old daughter, she, her first word was mama. Her second word was dad. Dad. Her third word was iPad. <laughs> and so she's just used to touching and zooming on. We went to a restaurant here when she was real little, and they gave her an Etch-a-Sketch with two little knobs. How many of you old enough to remember an Etch-a-Sketch? And I seen her touching the screen and doing all this. And I just watched her for a little while. And finally, she handed it back to her mom, and she said, give this back to that man. This thing's broke. <laughs> That's how antiquated Etch-a-Sketch is to this next generation. I don't know what kind of tablet he wrote on, but he called for a tablet. <sighs> I don't know what it was. Whatever they wrote with back then. He couldn't talk, but he wanted to communicate. And when they called him, whatever he had to do over there to write it out. He wrote out, his name shall be called John. And they looked at that, and as soon as he wrote it, his tongue was loosed. Good God Almighty. Let me tell you what happens when you receive the Holy Ghost. When you read about receiving the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts where it was initially poured out, Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 8 and 10 and 19, when you read about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that when they received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. You say, now what is that all about? That's the liberation of the tongue. That's the delivery. That's the second birth. That's when the joy of your soul, it overflows and it comes up out of your mouth. You can't control it anymore. It may sound like baby talk. It may sound like mumble jumble. You don't have to understand it all. Here's what you do got to know. It is the evidence, the outward evidence of the Spirit of God filling you. So in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19, when they received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in other tongues, the Bible said. You say, well, is that still happening today? It's happening all over the world. When we were in China last year, I heard one lady over there praying and saying, Jesus is God, Jesus is God, Jesus is God, Jesus is God. And I thought, well, she could be one of our translators. She had great English. And our translator had gotten the Holy Ghost, so we had another one come in there, and they were, people were laid out all over the place. I'm telling you, those people are so open to the gospel. Just everybody in the whole room got filled with the Holy Ghost. And they're, you know, they have to meet in secret and all that because it's against the law. They put their family, their lives in danger. One of them was getting the Holy Ghost, went over there and opened up the window and just started speaking in tongues over the city and with a window wide open. Because there's something about the Holy Ghost just gives you boldness. So I motioned to June and I said, can we see? They went over to talk to this lady. She didn't know a word of English. She had been receiving the Holy Ghost and she was speaking in English. She didn't know English, but it was the liberation of the tongue. And as she was receiving the Holy Ghost, she was speaking perfect English. And what she was saying was, if you don't believe me, my wife was there, Jimmy was there, they could testify to this. She was saying, Jesus is God. She was declaring the greatness of Jesus as she was receiving the Holy Ghost and the liberation of the tongue. I've come to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that God wants to put his spirit inside of every one of us. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, some people think speaking in tongues is like a, just like a bonus round. Like, you know, if you, you, you play these video games, you do real good, then you get a bonus round. That's the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues is not the bonus round. You've got to have the Spirit of Christ. And the evidence of that Spirit is speaking out in tongues. Because what did I tell you at the outset of this message? God gives you an undeniable experience. And when your tongue begins to speak, and people say, well, I'm not sure about that. Here's why we struggle with the delivery. The delivery, the liberation of the tongue is something that God has to orchestrate. It's not something that you and I control. 
that we can control. We can just stop worshiping him. We can just shut our mouth down. But the Bible says they spake in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance or the prompting. Only the Holy Ghost can do that. Only the Spirit of God can do that. And as you raise your hands and you begin to worship God, you'll begin to feel the what we call stammering lips. In other words, you'll start to feel that freedom, that, that liberation, that your mouth just, just speak out whatever you feel. And as you do, the joy of the Lord will come all over you. And you're not only going to be born one time today, you're going to be born two times. Because this is the second birth. Let's stand to our feet. Good God Almighty, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor one more time and shake their hand and say, are you ready to receive the Holy Ghost? With the evidence of speaking in tongues. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah! You say, Pastor, I've never, I'm, I've never received that. Well, today is your day. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but you say, Pastor, this morning I want to have that experience, I want you to step out from where you're standing right now, and I want you to come right down the aisle and come right down to the front. Yeah, that's it. Just be bold. Just step right out. Come on, my brother. Don't be afraid. Just come right out. We've got altar workers that are going to come. Comes my brother right here. Others are coming down. God bless you. I believe God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost today. Amen. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask him again. Have you received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? If they say no, I want you to take them by the hand right now and say, today's our day. Just come with them. Just take them by the hand and just bring them. This is going to be for everybody today. Just take them by the hand and say, come on, today's the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad. Now some of y'all not obeying the pastor. You shake hands and don't make sure they're not lying to you now. Have you received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? I want you to come down and come right down to the front here. Look at these children coming down here. God's going to fill them with the Holy Ghost today. Here's what we know from the book of Acts. Not only do we have to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but we also know we've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Brother Fobert, I want you to get ready with that baptismal tank. We're going to baptize people today in the name of Jesus. That's the declaration of the name. You say, I, I've, never, I've never been baptized in the name of Jesus. I think I was baptized some other way. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. This is awesome. Look at all these people. God's going to fill them all with the Holy Ghost. We've got altar workers that are coming, other people that are going to be here with the cards and all of this, and we're going to just wait for just a moment with these cards. We're going to pray right now in the name of Jesus. Now, those of you that have come to receive the Holy Ghost, if you don't mind, just kind of push in here a little bit closer. Brother and Sister Blackman, our ministers are going to be praying with you. If you've come to receive the Holy Ghost, just get down as close as you can. I want to talk to you for just a moment, and then we're going to pray, and God's going to pour out His Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. You, you didn't remember the first time you were born, but you're going to remember the second time. Amen. This is the second birth. Amen. This is being born again. Amen. Now, how many of you down here, you're ready to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking tongues? Just raise your hand. I want to count. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 
23. 23. Brother Brandon, do you believe that all 23 of these people are going to receive the Holy Ghost? In the name of Jesus. This is awesome. Now let me tell you how this is going to work. This is awesome. This is how it's going to work. The very first thing that we're going to do is that we're going to pray a prayer of repentance. And we're just going to say, Lord, forgive me of every sin. I want you to cleanse my heart. And I want you to fill me with the Holy Ghost. I believe, God, that your word says I can ask you. And if I ask, that you'll forgive me of every sin. And we're going to pray that prayer together in just a moment. And then when we get through praying that prayer, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift up your head. Because you can't get the Holy Ghost with your head all down, your arms crossed in a closed position like that. You've got to give the Lord access. So I'm going to ask you to lift your head, and I'm going to ask you to lift your hands. That's just saying, Lord, I surrender. Not my will, but thy will be done. And close your eyes. And then here's what I want you to do. The highest form of praise is a word that is the same in every language. You know what that word is? Hallelujah. You know, that's the, everywhere I go and I preach in different countries, hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I know I connected because it's the same in every language. Do you know what I'm saying? So when we lift our hands and we begin to worship, we get through repenting, you're going to begin to say, Lord, I receive your spirit. I receive your spirit. And then when I tell you I'm going to pray the prayer of faith, I want you to lift up your hands, lift up your head, and I want you to begin to shout out hallelujah just as loud as you can. And then I want you to speak out whatever you feel in your heart. You say, I don't, I don't understand what it is. I want you to just speak it by faith because the Spirit of God is going to give you a confirmation. And as you do, just lift your voice, your hands and your head, and begin to declare the greatness of God. As you worship Him, you're going to begin to feel that stammering lips. And when you do, you just speak out whatever's in your mouth, and God's going to give you the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. How many of you believe God's going to give you that right here this morning? This is awesome. We do this all over the world, but right here in my home church, this is where I get the most joy. I believe God wants to fill every single person with the Holy Ghost. You believe it? All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray a prayer of repentance. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for Calvary. We're thankful, God, that you have said in your word that if we ask for forgiveness, that you would forgive us of every sin. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of every sin. I'm asking you, Lord, to cleanse my heart and my mind. Wash me as white as snow. I can't forgive myself, Lord, until you forgive me. And, Lord, I believe your word that if I would ask according to the blood of Calvary that was shed, that, Lord, you would forgive me and cleanse me. Sins of my hands and sins of my heart and sins in my thought life. Lord, I'm asking you right now to make me a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I'm asking, Lord, to forgive me. And I believe, Lord, your word that if we would ask, we should receive. And so, Lord, because we have asked you with a heart that had pure motives, I believe, God, that you have heard our prayer and that you have forgiven us of every sin. Now, Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven me of every sin. I thank you, Lord, that you have cleansed me and washed me by the blood of Calvary. I thank you, Lord, that all of my sins are thrown away and I'm a new creature from this day forward. Now, Lord, I believe your word that if we would ask, we, you would forgive us. And now, Lord, I'm ready to receive the Holy Ghost. I ask you, God, right now in the name of Jesus to fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
I receive your spirit. I thank you for your spirit. That's it. Now lift your hands and your voice. By the authority of the word of God. By the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the name of Jesus. Be filled with the spirit. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the Holy Ghost. She's gifted. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. That's it. You got it. That's it, that's it.
That's it. The Holy Ghost is falling. The Holy Ghost is falling. Thank you, Jesus.